Thank you for downloading or streaming this message from Emmanuel Church. We are one church with multiple locations, and we believe God wants to bless you right where you are. In a few moments, you're going to hear some practical teaching from God's Word that I believe will be inspiring and relevant to your life. First, though, if you haven't yet experienced Emmanuel Live, we encourage you to go to our website, eclife.org, to check out our service times and locations so that you can experience Emmanuel in person or through our online campus. If this message blesses you and you'd like to support the ministry financially, again, you can go to eclife.org and click on the Giving tab and choose Online Campus at your campus. Thanks again for joining us today, and we hope this message will be an encouragement to you on your spiritual journey. Well, welcome to Emmanuel. If you are joining us locally, we want to welcome you. If you're joining us across the country in a different state, we want to welcome you also. And also, if you're joining us around the world in a different country, welcome to Emmanuel. My name is Pastor Danny, and happy Easter. Now, this is no ordinary Easter. As you can see, I'm standing here in an empty auditorium. There's a lot of empty seats out here today. All of the seats are actually empty, and there's no one in here except for our wonderful camera crew that is videotaping right now. What a strange Easter Sunday. If you'd have told me back in January that on Easter Sunday I would be preaching in an empty auditorium, I would have told you that you belong on the set of the Tiger King reality show. Hey, all you cool cats and kittens out there. I just had to say it. Now, if you have no idea what I'm talking about, I just, I just mean that I would have thought that you were crazy, okay? I had my suspicions about cat people, uh, but now those suspicions are gone. Now, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I know this, those are big cat people. Anyway, again, if you have no idea what I'm talking about, it's probably a good thing. We are in a series today called Disrupted, and I believe that that word describes what's going on in our world today perfectly. The word disrupt means to destroy the normal continuance of something, and that is exactly what has happened to our lives. The things that the normal routines that we have in our life, going to work, going to school, just driving down the road, stopping in at a restaurant, having a meal, or going to your favorite coffee shop and having a cup of coffee, all of those things are out the window. International travel has been suspended. I mean, just our world has literally been flipped upside down. I saw uh, the other day, I was on the road driving down one of the main streets here in town. And I looked over at one of the grocery stores and I could not believe it. There were cars in the front of all the way to the back of of the parking lot. It was absolutely packed. And I'm like, well, why is that? And of course people need groceries and all that stuff. But here's my opinion. Here's my theory. People are starved to connect with other people. I think people are going to the grocery store to see their friends. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. But it is just a crazy world out there today. Our lives have been totally disrupted. I'm having a little bit of fun right now talking about that. But on a serious note, there are folks experiencing some some serious pain. There are people out there today that have already lost their jobs, folks concerned about losing their jobs in the next week or two or three, people concerned about how to pay the mortgage, how to pay their rent. There are folks out there right now and you're watching that you're currently sick and, and you have COVID-19 uh, and, and, or you have a family member that's sick. And there are even folks out there today that, that have lost loved ones from this pandemic. And so there's a lot of reasons right now to be fearful, to be worried, to be angry, to be frustrated, to be concerned about the future. And so that's why we're doing this series right now called Disrupted. We wanna talk about how to navigate those times and, and try to make sense of what's going on in our world today. You know, many pundits, 
pundits on news channels and, and even our govern, government officials have been using this word unprecedented. And the word simply, believe, simply means never before experienced. And in one sense, that's true of what's going on in our lives. We've never received a stay-at-home order before from our government. We've never, had to, we've never seen dro- driven down the road and seen all of the restaurants closed and gyms closed and, and bars closed. We've never seen that before. So in one sense, this word unprecedented is true. But in another sense, it's not true. See, since the beginning of creation, the beginning of humanity, our world has been suffering from major disruptions. They could be famines or earthquakes or tsunamis or, or genocides or, or, or just all pandemics or just incre- wars, things that have gone on in our world that, that have been totally devastating since the beginning of time. In other words, this is nothing new that we are facing today. Just, just give you a couple of examples. I, I really like to study World War II. I don't know why. It's just kind of fascinating to me. But because of one man's you know, vision of evil in the world, Adolf Hitler, during, during the years of 1939 to 1945, 75 million people died. That's almost a quarter of America's population today. 75 million people because of one man's evil. And you just think about that and you, you start to study the history and, and what's gone on and you realize that, man, we have been having major worldwide disruptions since the beginning of time. In 1918, the Spanish flu came through and it was so devastating, 10 times more devastating than what we're experiencing right now is what experts say. One expert says that it was, we lost 50 million people during that time, during the Spanish flu. Some experts say up to 100 million people died from that that virus. In one sense, this is unprecedented times. In another sense, it's not unprecedented times. We've been going through difficulties since the beginning. We actually live, I wrote it like this in your notes, the world is a broken place. We live in a broken world. And people of faith understand that and they've been looking to God for thousands of years and, and, and hundreds of years, they've been looking to the, into the scriptures to find answers to how do we navigate times like this and, and why is the world the way that it is today and how can we walk through these troubled waters and, and that's what I wanna do for you today. I wanna look at some pa- a passage in scripture, Romans chapter eight, verse 20 through 24. If you have a Bible, you can just open it up to those passages or follow along on your app, on your phone, Romans chapter 8, verse 20 through 24. And I want to look at this passage. It's written by a man named Paul, and he's going to help us understand the context of our days. He's going to help us understand how to have hope in the midst of a troubled world. C.S. Lewis said one time, he said, I believe in Christianity as I believe in the rising sun, not only because I can see it, because, but also because by it, I can see everything else. I believe Christianity helps us understand the context of our days and how to walk through those days with hope. Let's look at Romans chapter eight, starting in verse 20. The apostle Paul says this, against its will, all creation was subjected to God's curse. Now, let me explain what that means. 
Creation is the mountains, the atmosphere, the oceans, the air we breathe, the trees, the rocks. That is creation. Paul says that all of creation, all of the things that God made against its will, he gives creation sort of this consciousness. He says against its will, it was subjected to God's curse. God's curse. Hmm. When we look around at our world today, it's almost evident. It's almost, it's, it's self-evident that we live in a world that seems to be under a curse. Like death is everywhere in our world today. What is that but, but a curse? Paul says all creation against its will. It didn't choose to do anything wrong, but it, but it was still subjected to God's curse. What curse is that? Well, if you go all the way back to the book of Genesis, right in the beginning, what we see is that Adam and Eve were placed in the Garden of Eden and they were told by God, you can eat from every tree in the garden, but you cannot eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Well, the devil comes in and he tempts them and tempts them with the fruit and says, hey, doesn't this fruit look good? Doesn't this will make you wise like God? And, and Eve falls into that temptation and she takes some of the fruit and she eats it and she gives it to her husband and he eats it as well. And by, the Bible refers to that as, as the, the fall. What happens is humanity is plunged into sin. Death enters the world in that moment. Verse 17 and 18, this is what God says. To Adam, he says, since you listened to your wife. Now, I'm a huge advocate of listening to your, my wife. She's smarter than I am, brilliant and wise, but not, I don't always need to listen to her and that might be good advice to you as well. I may get a few emails for that. That's okay, I'll get in trouble. But God says to Adam, since you listened to your wife and you ate from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from, watch this, the ground is cursed because of you. Not only are you cursed, but the ground, the very earth, creation itself is now under a curse. Listen to what he says. He explains, all of your life, you will struggle to scratch a living from it. This is why a lot of us hate our jobs, okay? <laughs> it will grow thorns and thistles for you, though you'll eat its grains. As a little kid, I was always confused as to why there were thorn bushes. I just, it could never made sense to me. You know, I'd get poked by it, scratched by it. It's like, man, it's just so, just, just so terrible. Like, who would make a thorn bush? Well, God didn't make thorn bushes. That they became a reality after the curse. And thousands of years later, some Roman soldiers would take some of those bushes, some of the branches from those bushes, and they would twist together a crown of thorns which would be pressed upon the Savior's head so much so that those thorns would, would pierce his brow and blood would run down his face. We'll talk more about that in just a little bit. Our world is cursed. Creation is cursed. See, here's what's true, and I wrote this in your notes. Sin disrupted everything. It messed everything up. The reason that we see disease, the reason that we see tsunamis, the reason that we see hurricanes or tornadoes, volcanoes, all of these different things, racism, hatred, war, genocide, where do these things come from? They come from the Garden of Eden. The world that we live in is under a curse and sin has messed up everything. He said, Danny, man, I thought I was gonna tune in today to be encouraged. I thought Easter Sunday would encourage me. I'm, you're, you're depressing me. Hold on, hold on. I, I just have to define reality for you. 
the scriptures and God help us interpret what we're experiencing in our life today. But I'm here to tell you that Paul didn't stop writing at verse 20. He went to verse 21. There is hope. Listen to what he says. Verse 21. But with eager hope, the creation looks forward to when it will join God's children. Watch this. In glorious freedom from death and decay. There's hope, Paul says. This word, eager hope, has this, has the, carries the idea of someone straining their neck forward and searching the horizon for, for things to change, for things to get better, expecting something new to come. All of creation, along with God's children, live with this eager expectation of hope that one day things will change. See, when Christ returns to this earth and he will return and it could be any day when he returns he is going to make everything new he is going to restore everything that is broken listen to the promise he gives us in revelation 21 this is jesus himself he will wipe away every tear from their eyes no more crying there'll be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain all these things will be gone forever listen the one on the throne says it like this, look, I am making everything new. <laughs> that is the promise of Easter. That Christ is going to restore everything. Here's the promise, everything will be completely restored. If you're struggling right now with some sort of sickness, it's going to be restored. If you're struggling right now with something in your body, some physical pain, it's going to be restored. If you have cancer, it's going to be restored. If you have emotional pain because you've lost a loved one, a brother, a husband, a son, that pain that you currently live with, it will be restored. It will be wiped away. Christ will make everything new. He will restore. He will put it back to the way it was before Adam and Eve sinned. But right now, right now we kind of live in between the curse and restoration. We live in this, this zone of pain where we have hope, but we're still experiencing anguish. We're still experiencing, you know, the, the consequences of, 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 of humanity and with creation being plunged under this curse. The word that Paul uses to describe our current condition is groaning. Listen to what he says in verse 23. For we know that all creation has been groaning as, the, as in the pains of childbirth right up to this present time. Now, I have, I have seen my wife give birth three times. I have seen her endure labor pains. If you're a woman and you've ever given birth, you know how, how painful that can be. There's nothing like it. We men, we really don't know. All we can do is observe and watch but even though women have incredible anguish and incredible pain, so much so that they are groaning, they don't groan without hope. They know if they persevere, there's gonna be life, there's gonna be a baby, there's gonna be a child, and in that, they have hope, and so they push, and they put up with the pain. Paul says our current condition, the condition of creation, is currently groaning, but it's not groaning without hope. No, we have eager hope, even though we currently groan. He says this, we too, Believers, we also groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory, even though we know one day everything will be restored, that Jesus will put everything back the way it was supposed to be. We long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. Imagine, 
Imagine a day and it's gonna be here and it's gonna come where there's no more temptation, no more giving in to sin. Whether that's anger or fear or lust or pride or stealing or whatever it is that you struggle with. No more suffering, no more sin. One day you will be completely restored. He continues, we too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children, including new bodies, the new bodies that he has promised us. Listen, there's some of you listening right now. You're in an assisted living home, maybe at Rosegate, and your body's failing you. You're gonna receive a new body. As some of you right now, you have some sort of physical pain in your life. Maybe it's neck pain. Maybe it's back pain. Maybe it's a, a knee or a hip. Maybe it's foot pain. Maybe you have constant headaches. One day you are going to receive a brand new body. Christ will restore everything, creation, your soul, and your body. Not too long ago, I was playing basketball with my two sons. They're both taller than me. One's 18, one's 16. They're both about 6'5". I'm just thankful to be able to still play basketball with them at age 42. And so we had a lot of fun. We were playing this game called 21. If you're familiar with that game, it's just basically one-on-one-on-one and the first player to 21 wins. Well, we were playing one particular game and there was a loose ball and I went for the loose ball and I was just trying to compete and and I felt the ball jam my finger. And if you're a basketball player, you know this happens. I mean, you can't really control it. The ball hits the top of your finger. It pushes your joints together. It's pretty painful. Sometimes you hear a pop and normally what you do is you just pull it out. So I jammed my finger. I'm like, ah, just pull it out real quick and and I I just keep, and then you keep playing. But I looked down at my finger and I noticed that something was wrong. I was like, wow, that's, that's different. I don't know what that is. And I tried to pull it out again. And then, it, you know, it wouldn't go straight. It turns out it, it ended up looking like that. And it still looks like that. And some of you might be thinking, are you doing that with your finger? No, I'm not doing it. Look, look, watch this. It just, it goes right back. <laughs> I j- what ended up happening is I broke a ligament in my finger and it just won't stay straight. And it just hit me. I thought, you know what? This is the way it happens. You get older, things start breaking down. Your body starts breaking down. Your shoulders start to wear out. Your knees start to wear. Like this is the, this is the curse. Things break down. Like we're all going towards death. But one day, one day, we will receive new bodies. Christ will restore everything. I don't know what your new body's going to look like. My new body's probably going to look like something like Michael Jordan's body in his prime, I think. At least that's what I'm asking God for. Just messing around. But I have hope that one day all of the pain and all of the suffering and all of the sin will be gone. That is massive hope. Now, here's my question to you today. Where does that hope come from? I mean, how can Paul write about this? Like groaning and pain and we're, you know, the, the, the creation is subjected to curse and we are under a curse as well. But hey, one day it's all gonna change. One day there's, there's gonna be restoration. So live with hope. Where does that hope come from? He tells us in verse 24. This is so important. Listen to what he says. We were given this hope when we were saved. When we put our faith in Jesus Christ, when we asked him to come into our life and wash away all of our sin, that is when we received this hope. See, today is Easter. And what we celebrate on Easter is that Christ came back from the dead 
On Good Friday, he was crucified. He was punished. He died. Three days later, he rose again to give us life, to give us forgiveness. And when we reach out to him in faith, we receive salvation. We become children of God. What is Easter all about? You know what Easter is all about? Easter is about Jesus paying the price for our sin to reverse the curse that was held against us as humans. But not just us as humans, all of creation to reverse the curse against creation and against humanity. Listen to Galatians chapter three, verse 13. But Christ has rescued us, watch this, from the curse pronounced by the law. When he was hung on the cross, he took upon himself the curse for our wrongdoing. That's exactly what he did. Easter reverses the curse. When Jesus rose from the dead, he made sure that death did not have the last word. When those Roman soldiers grabbed some thorns, some branches with thorns on them, and they put them together to to, to put a, a crown on King Jesus. You see, they didn't just whip him until there was no skin on his back. They didn't just punch him in the face. They didn't just pull out his beard and spit on him and mock him. They didn't just take sticks and smack him over the head with it. They took thorns, a physical symbol of our cursed world, and they shoved it on his head. He took upon himself the curse of our wrongdoing on the cross. Jesus disrupted the trajectory of humanity. Humanity, me, you, creation, was being plunged toward death and decay and annihilation. Christ disrupts his life. He comes to this earth, becomes a baby born in a manger. 30 some years later, he spreads out his arm. He dies on the cross to reverse the curse for you and for me. He disrupts the trajectory of humanity. I love the way Peter said it. The apostle Peter wrote it like this. In his great mercy, he's given us new birth into a living hope. How? Where's this living hope come from? Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Living hope meaning that I can have hope right now in my life. You can have hope right now in the midst of the pain in the midst of the groaning, in the midst of family members who are sick, in the midst of family members who have cancer, in the midst of everything that we see going on in the world, in the midst of the cursed world, we can have hope. How? Because Christ defeated death by rising from the grave. My question to you today, it's a simple one. Do you have this hope? Do you have it? Like, is it inside of you? And immediately when I ask the question, many of you have it and, you're, and your answer is, yes, I have it. And, and that hope keeps me going and, and I don't get discouraged and, and I know I can get down at times, but man, I, I keep plunging forward even in the midst of difficulty, even in the midst of a cursed world, I keep moving forward because I have it. Great, that's awesome. You should have it if you're a believer in Christ. You know what your job is? Your job is to spread that hope. Your job is to is to. Take that living hope and and let it spread to your family and your friends and your neighbors. I would encourage you to share this message with your friends. Send them the link. Get them to the YouTube page to watch. Be a dealer 
in hope if you're part of this first group that would say yes. Now, there's a second group of you out there to answer this question, do you have this hope? You say, you know what, uh, I, I, I've been saved, like verse 24 said, we've received this hope when we were saved, but, but uh, you know, quite honestly, you know, I don't have much hope right now. I have, I have anger, I have, I'm disillusioned, I have frustration, uh, I have doubts, uh, I have fear, I have worry uh, about the future, about my job, about life, about what's going on in the economy, about this pandemic. I don't have hope. Here's what's going on with you. If you're a believer today and you don't have hope, you're like that person who, who goes out and says, you know what, I want to paint my, my kitchen. I, I really just want to change things up in my house. And you go out and you buy the paint and now you have the paint. But you never take time to open up the paint and take out a brush and start painting your kitchen. And so your kitchen is still the same color, even though you have the paint. In other words, you have the truth. You have Christ in your life. You've been saved, but you've never applied that to your life. You've never applied the resurrection power, the truth about the resurrection to your life. So guess what? The inside, the inside walls of your life are still colored. They're still painted with discouragement. They're still painted with worry. They're still painted with fear. And so every day is the same for you. Nothing's changed, even though the paint is in your house. My encouragement to you would be to apply the truth of the resurrection to your life today so that you can experience living hope. How do you do that? Well, here's how I do it. It's a simple, simple idea. Every day when I wake up, every day I start my day in the same spot and I go over what is true about this world and what is true about me and what God is gonna do today and what God is gonna do in the future, that Christ Jesus is the savior. He died and he rose again to conquer sin and death and I am his child and one day he is gonna restore all things. And I go over this stuff in my mind and when I'm going over it in my mind, what I'm doing is I'm painting. I'm just painting the internal walls of my mind and my heart with this color of hope. Now it could be red, it could be blue, whatever your favorite color is, I don't care what color it is but it's hope it's the color of hope and I paint the inside of my mind and my heart with the truth from the scriptures and guess what it looks different on the inside because I've applied that truth if you don't know how to do that I just want to encourage you right now to reach out to somebody we have folks we have our, our staff right now in the chat rooms they're gonna put up the little emoji hand signal right there and I just want you to reach out to them and and say, hey, I, you know, I'm a, I'm a believer and I have faith in Christ, but right now I'm living in fear and frustration. And how do you apply? How do you paint? Start a conversation. We're not designed to do this alone. We're designed to do this together. Would you start a conversation with someone right now? Maybe you say, well, I don't really want to talk about it right now. I mean, that's kind of who are you? I don't, I don't know who these folks are. I don't want to start a chat. Okay, okay. Take some time and send us an email at hope at eclife.org. If you're in this second category where you're a believer, but you're not living with hope, just shoot us an email and say, man, I really want to, I really want to live with hope. I want to apply the truth of the resurrection that we can have new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Christ. Will you help me? We have a staff and a team that will respond to your email and help you walk through that. God's plan is for you to live with hope in the midst of a cursed and broken world. Now, there's a third group. <clears throat> First group says, yes, I have that hope. Second group says, well, I'm saved, but I don't have that hope. There's a third group that says, I don't have that hope at all. I'm not even saved. 
Verse 24 says, we received this hope when we were saved. I'm not saved. I don't know Christ as my Savior. You need to know Christ as your Savior. Jesus took upon the curse of humanity, took the curse of of creation upon himself. God laid the sins of humanity on Jesus. He stepped in and took the hit for you. He stepped in and paid the penalty for you so you didn't have to pay. Some call it mercy. Some call it grace. Some call it redemption. Call it whatever you want. Christ stepped in on your behalf to rescue you from the penalty of the curse held against you. Have you asked him to forgive you? Have you, have you received the gift of mercy? Have you received his grace? I'm not asking you to join a religion. I'm not asking you to join our church. I'm asking you if you've been saved, if you've trusted in Christ, if you've put your confidence in him, that he died for your sin and three days later he rose again so that you could be forgiven, so that the restoration process in your life starting on the inside can start and one day be fully complete. Have you trusted him? I'm gonna say a simple prayer. And if you feel led, if you feel oddly drawn into this moment as you're watching online, step in. I did it when I was 17. I didn't really know what I was doing. I had heard the message before, but I heard that God loved me and he, and he died in my place and I was so drawn in. It wasn't a church, it wasn't about religion, it was about him loving me enough to die in my place. I couldn't resist. I remember it like it was yesterday. It changed my life. It totally disrupted my life in a positive way. Maybe this is your moment of disruption. Maybe you open your heart to Christ and in this moment of under the stay-at-home order <laughs> that we're in this strange period of time that we're living in, on Easter Sunday, you open your heart and you ask Christ to forgive you of your sins. If that's you right now, Take these words, make them your own. Just pray, just ask them. Dear Jesus, this moment, I feel you. I sense you drawing me in. I ask you to to help me with the little faith that I have I reach out. I believe. I trust that you you remove the curse by becoming a curse on the cross. That you took the penalty for my sin so that I could be forgiven, so that I could be restored. I reach out. Fill my heart with hope, with love, with grace, with your spirit. And from this day forward, help me to live with that hope. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Now,
If you prayed that prayer, our church, if everyone were here, we'd be clapping, we'd be celebrating, and we are. The Bible says when one person turns to Christ, there's rejoicing in heaven. If you trusted Christ today, we want to put a gift in your hands. It's a box that we put together. It's a saved, we call it a saved box. Inside here, there's a Bible. There's a little plan to get you started on your new journey with Christ. There's a cup in here just as a congratulations to say, uh, hey, just to say congratulations to you uh, for, put, for putting your faith in Christ. If you, if you wouldn't mind just texting the word saved to 65248, we would love to put one of these boxes in your hands. So just grab your phone right now, text the word saved to 65248, and we will do that. Now, today is Easter Sunday, and I mentioned earlier we were going to celebrate communion. So we're going to do that right now. So if you'd grab a little juice or a little bread, we're going to walk through communion here. I mentioned earlier that that Christ took some some juice and he took some bread. And the, the night before he was crucified, he told his disciples that this juice, this wine that I have represents my blood. It was spilled for you so that you could be forgiven, so that you could be redeemed. This, this bread that I have represents my body. It's going to be broken for you so that you can be restored, so that you can be forgiven. So he had each one of them grab some wine and he walked them through this and they ate and they drank. And he said this to them. He said, as long as you do this, this tradition of communion, you are going to declare my death until I return. Meaning this, you're going to declare that people can be forgiven, that people can be restored, that there is hope in the midst of a broken, cursed world. So if you have, if you're a believer today and you're prepared to do this and you'd like to celebrate with us, just grab a little juice right now and I'll, I'll walk you through this and we can all do this together. Jesus took the, took the wine and he said to them, this, this juice, this wine represents my blood. It was spilled for you. Drink it in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took some bread and he broke it and he gave it to his disciples and he said, this bread represents my body. It's gonna be broken. I'm gonna spread out my arms. They're gonna nail me to a cross for you so that you could be forgiven, so that you can be restored. Eat it in remembrance of me. Will you pray with me? Father, thank you even though Adam and Eve chose to sin, even though they rebelled against you, you didn't turn your back on them. You continued to love them and you continue to love us today. Thank you for showing us grace and mercy, reaching out to us in love, offering us restoration by allowing your son, Jesus Christ, to die for us so that we could be forgiven. Thank you for this moment as a church where we could celebrate together. Celebrate the hope that we have in the resurrection. 
God, I pray that, that what was heard today, the, the truth of Romans chapter eight, Jesus, what you said in Revelation 21, what you said through Peter in 1 Peter chapter one, that, that we have a living hope. I pray that those seeds of truth will grow, that will be pushed down into the soil of our hearts and will blossom and will grow and produce much fruit. Thank you for this opportunity to celebrate together as a church. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Hey, next week, we are going to be entering into week number three of our current series, Disrupted. I want to encourage you to invite your friends in, to join them, send them the link. This is a time where all of us need hope. We need insight and we need instruction. So week number three next week, you're not going to want to miss it. Bring a friend. God bless you.